0: Will you please join me in Psalm 27? Psalm 27 is where our theme was taken from this year, Believe to See. At the beginning of the year, I started a series on Sunday nights entitled Believe to See. For tonight, I'd like to return once again to that series. Due to some unforeseen sidetracks, namely COVID-19, which if I ever get elected, we will ban that from church verbiage. (laughs) Namely due to the virus, this series has become unintentionally sporadic over the last couple of months. We've only made periodic visits back to this. In my mind, we really had lost our momentum of the series when reaction to the virus began And frankly, I'm not sure when we'll see a return to normalcy. If we will maybe just have to learn to adjust to the new normal, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. But either way, I'm going to continue to believe to see what God can do through Liberty Baptist Tabernacle, through this body of believers. And I want to encourage you to do the same with me. The overall idea of the series is that walking with God, we don't always get to see something and then believe it. But we have to see by faith. We have to believe to see. And that's kind of the idea of all this, is to have faith in what God can do. We have to believe it before we will see it in most of the cases. Thus far in this series, we have considered our need to believe to see. That sermon was also taken from this psalm, although we didn't really go through this psalm, which we're going to do tonight. And then, after that, I asked the question, can you see it? Then I encouraged us to see the Spirit's leading, to see the blessing, to see the multiplication, and for you to see your role. Then we considered how Jesus sees our faith. And last time in this series, we considered seeing the desire accomplished. Those are all the eight sermons that we've had so far in this series. And if you missed any of them, I would encourage you to please take the time to listen to those. You can do so from our website or our podcast. And the reason I say that is because I really think on Sunday nights, you kind of get the heart of the church in what we're doing. And I would just encourage you to take time to listen to those. What's difficult sometimes is even though we walk by faith in this life, we need to plan ahead, right? Would you agree with that? Even though we have faith in God and even though we walk by faith, we still have times where we need to make plans. I believe that's wise. The Bible tells us to look well into the estate of our flocks, and I think there are times that we need to plan ahead. But it's interesting to me because at the same time, we are never guaranteed tomorrow. <laughs> it's just interesting to me that we walk by faith, we, we plan for what God can do in us and through us in our lives, but we're not guaranteed our next breath. And so it's just interesting, that's all. Jesus talked about counting the cost in any endeavor that we undertake. There's wisdom in that. And we also know that we may not live to see the endeavor accomplished, or even begin for that matter. James four, thirteen through fifteen says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. We have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And so while we formulate our plans, we must do so with a recognition that if it's the Lord's will. If it's the Lord's will, then we will be able to execute that plan. When we began this year, plans were made to accommodate the growth that we were experiencing. And the plans needed to be made. We had to make a decision on what are we going to do. But as we have seen, there's no guarantee that those plans will even come to fruition. Proverbs 27.1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And I may get up here and say how much I am looking forward to a return to normalcy, But the fact is, something could happen tomorrow that is so much worse than what we're going through now that I might get up and say, man, I just wish we could get back to the days of COVID-19. We just don't know. This is why our first priority is never a plan, but our first priority is God. Matthew 6, 33 and 34 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But it's the next verse that really I want you to to hear. Take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In other words, there's enough problems today to worry about. Well, not worry, okay. I'm sorry, we're Christians. i got to choose a different word that still means worry, but it's not worry. That way we all feel good about ourselves. Uh, We're to take no thought. I'll use what Jesus said. We're not to take any thought of tomorrow. I need to get through this day first. Then if the Lord wills, I'll see tomorrow. (laughs) But the only way I'm getting through this day is if I first seek the kingdom of God. And I'm not 100% sure what it is I'm trying to say through all of this, but I would think it would be something to this effect. It's interesting that we believe to see something we aren't even guaranteed we'll have the opportunity to see. Are you with me on this? Am I, am I communicating this okay? I, at first, the direction of our theme was geared around our two Sunday morning services. We believe to see, but new circumstances may arise, uh, which today alter what we were believing to see in the first place. To put this on, on a ground level, let's say you may have had plans, and then all of a sudden you get a call from a doctor. Well, now those plans really don't mean a whole lot to you in that moment. And so we were thinking of two Sunday morning services, which thank God we've been able to do. We were talking about how we were going to go forward by faith to reach more souls for Christ. And how we need to believe to see how God can use this body of believers for his glory. But as I've said before, now I'm believing to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living just to see people back in church again. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wonderful. I'm believing to see the goodness of the Lord just getting through this pandemic. I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking it'd be good if we could all just assemble again. Without any virus issues to think about. Now, what happens when we are believing to see and plans change? Does the vision change? Well, that's kind of what I want to consider tonight. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou said, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord, In the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait I say on the Lord. Now the structure of this psalm interests me. It starts out with great victories. We see in verse 1. That David knows God. And he understands that God is the source of his strength and life that he has nothing to be afraid of. In verse 2, he reflects on the time when his enemies and foes came upon him to destroy him, but that they were caused to stumble and fall. And in verse 3, he expands that, and I believe he's theoretically stating here, envisioning a host, an army against him, But even if that were to happen, David says, my heart shall not fear. If war breaks out against me, I am going to still be confident that God will cause mine enemy to stumble and fall. In verse 4, David sees the connection of being in the house of the Lord and the Lord's blessing upon his life. He seeks to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. Because there he beholds the beauty of the Lord. And the temple was a special place where he could inquire of the Lord. Of course, then it was the tabernacle called here the temple. And in verse 5, he likens the house of the Lord to His hiding place in God. He says, For in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. Meaning God was His covering. God was His protection. He goes on to say, in the secret place of the tabernacle shall He hide Me. The tabernacle contained the secret place, the most holy place. It was there where God's presence would be manifested upon the mercy seat. And anyone unauthorized to enter would be stricken down. They would be killed by God. And David sees this as the safest place That He can be. He closes the verse by stating, He shall set me up upon a rock. Meaning God was His strength. And of course, we know the rock is ultimately Christ. And because of this, he states in verse 6, And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. And in this, we see the certainty of His confidence in God to be His deliverer. He continues by saying, therefore will I offer in His tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. There's victory, but he will not forget that his victory was God working in His behalf. And he's going to the tabernacle to joyfully praise God for that victory. But then... Things shift in verse 7. The pendulum swings as we so often see in the psalms. And this psalm, it goes from praise to God to prayer. It goes from confidence to concern. In the first six verses, things were going along so well. He was confident in his God. He was confident in his standing with God. He knew God would fight for him and deliver him. His church life was healthy. And all he wanted to do was dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and there inquire to the Lord. But now in verse 7, trouble is once again before him. And we see how in this life we can in a moment we can go from one extreme to the other. We can very quickly go from the mountain to the valley. And isn't it strange how we can go from being completely confident in God that He's going to deliver us to us being concerned if God even hears us. I think we all understand that. I'm not casting a lot of scorn here upon David. I think we all understand this. So we find David praying in verse 7, "Here, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. In this we see this is not a quiet prayer. This is not a prayer that he's saying in his mind. It, it says he's he's crying with his voice. He's crying out aloud. And his request is for God to hear and answer him by showing him mercy. We see in verse 8 that he feels that God should do this. Because when the Lord said, seek ye my face, David said to God, I, I'll seek your face. And when we earnestly and fervently seek the face of God. Then we can expect God to answer and extend to us mercy. Those are the kind of people that can call God out on his promises. Those who have been seeking the face of God. In verse 9 he says, hide not thy face far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me, O God, of my salvation. I want you to notice here that when the going got tough, which it seemed to do a lot in David's life, when, it got, when the going got tough again, David, he reflects back on how God had been his help in the past. Thou hast been my help. And we should learn to draw from past victories that God has wrought through us, strength from that to increase our faith when our faith begins to diminish. We ought to have some victories in our life that we can look back on and go, well, God, I know you did it here. I, I remember you doing this then. And David here, he draws... From those past experiences and then David's request in verse 9 leave me not neither forsake me he follows that up in verse 10 with when my father and my mother forsake me then the Lord will take me up and most believe the sense here is that under I would say under normal healthy conditions we would expect the last people to forsake us would be our family and I realize we all come from different backgrounds and that's not always the case But I think the idea here is, even if those on earth that are closest to me forsake me, I know that my heavenly Father will never leave me and never forsake me. In verse 11, David prays, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. And I notice here that David does not seek his own way, but he desires God's way. Because in God's way, there will be help. From the enemy. And I want to remind you tonight the enemy will take you if you allow it. The enemy wants to take you down, which is seen in verse 12. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me and such as breathe out cruelty. This takes us to our theme verse, verse 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's interesting to me how this year began like this psalm. At least it did for me. When we started out the year, I was enjoying victories uh, the Lord had wrought in our behalf. And I mean, it felt like nothing was slowing us down. And things were beginning to fire on all cylinders. Attendance was riding high. People were packing in, and the house of the Lord was the place to be. It was exciting to see God so clearly at work, and what a joy to come into the tabernacle and offer our sacrifice of praise, our sacrifice of joy unto our Lord. But then, nearly out of the blue, things turned on a dime. Verses 7 through 12 happened, if you will. And what was once certain was no longer certain. And I kind of find myself feeling like David here in the latter verses right now. Lord, hear me when I cry with my voice. Have mercy upon me. Answer me. Lord, I have sought thy face like you commanded. Don't hide your face far from me right now. Please don't put me away in your anger. And Lord, I know you've helped and you've blessed in the past. Don't leave me, don't forsake me, O oh God of my salvation. Teach me thy way, O oh Lord. Lead me plainly because it seems like my enemies are getting the better of me right now. Don't deliver me over to my enemies. Don't let the false witnesses be believed. Lord, protect me from their cruelty. Are you with me, church? I don't know if you're seeing the similarity in this psalm in this year, but that's what I I see now. And when God led me to this psalm, this verse as the source for our theme, I did not have the context of this psalm in mind whatsoever. In fact, you'll notice on the banners back there, I purposely left off the beginning of this verse. I didn't see a need for it to be in there. The first three words of verse 13. Because honestly, we were riding so high that I felt like I was never going to faint. But now those three words left off of the banners, those three words that begin. This verse, they gripped me like never before. When David said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. From Webster's 1828 dictionary, to faint means to become weak by being emptied. To be feeble, exhausted, fatigued, dejected, depressed, and dispirited. In this change of momentum, there have been times I have felt like fainting. And I mean to tell you, I've been on the verge. There are only a handful who know the depths to which I have plunged through some of the events that have surrounded all this. My wife, my parents, Brother Petraco. I've wanted to faint. I wish you had a great pastor, but you don't. I'm admitting to you that I've gotten really weak. I've been feeble. I've been exhausted and fatigued. I have felt dejected by some. I have felt dispirited, which means disheartened, discouraged. And I've wanted to faint. It breaks my heart to see us slow down our efforts. It would be nice to see the buses running again. It would be nice to start Sunday school again. It would be nice to get everything going. Recapture some of that momentum we experienced at the end of 19 and the beginning of 2020. I feel like... We're kind of a microcosm of our nation. Nationally, when we were heading into 2020, we were seeing record low unemployment levels. The economy was firing on all cylinders. Everything was chugging along, but then in a matter of weeks, everything that had exploded under the Trump administration has vanished. Gone. I'm thankful for the most part here in Rapid City we've been sheltered by a lot of what's been going on. I mean we've been fairly uninterrupted for the most part. But I see the similarities between what happened nationally and what happened to our church momentum. You'll recall a couple of years ago our theme was taken from Psalm sixty eight twenty eight Strengthen, O God, that which thou hast wrought for us. And God did that. I mean He did that in a mighty way. Things were happening. Ministries were strengthened. We were seeing people saved and baptized and joining the church. Of course, last year, being the 40th, we focused on crossing over Jordan after they were in the wilderness 40 years and the blessings associated with that. And I mean to tell you, 2019 was a huge blessing. A lot of things were accomplished. A lot of good things were done. A lot of projects. We were continuing to grow. We finished the year with a very high average for the size of this building. We decided then to start two Sunday morning services to accommodate the people God was sending our way. And we started to believe to see the goodness of the Lord. And I never viewed those first three words in our situation before all this took place. But how quickly things can change from praise to prayer. And like David, I can say I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The reason that I have not fainted completely is because I'm still believing to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that's what keeps me going. Not my goodness. Not your goodness. Not our goodness. Not the goodness of the ministries, but what keeps me going is once again to see the goodness of the Lord, like I saw him in verses 1 through 6. Without that faith to believe, to see, we would faint. Can you sense my heart in what I'm trying to say tonight? Because if this thought isn't for anybody else, it's for me. What keeps us going when life goes from praise to prayer is believing to see. We go into some kind of troubled storm and, man, we're just looking forward to when we're through that thing. I don't think anybody in here is so spiritually like, no, Lord, just keep me right there in the midst of this thing. I mean, we look forward to the day that we can get through that. And what are we doing? In, in essence, we're believing to see the end of it that things will turn. I mean unless we're on our on the death's door, you understand that, but things will turn. Believing to see, it's having faith that God is going to come through just like he has in the past. That we will come through to the other side of this victorious in Christ. But what do we do in the meantime? What do we do when we feel like we're on the brink of fainting? What do we do while we're believing to see but we haven't seen? Well, look at verse 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. What do we do when praise turns to prayer and we feel like fainting? We do what everybody hates. We wait. I don't like waiting. Neither do I. But... We don't just wait. We wait upon the Lord. There's an activity involved with that. We're praying. We're crying out. We're waiting on the Lord. In Spurgeon's morning and evening devotional on this verse, he wrote, and I'm just going to give you some of the excerpts. Marching and quick marching are much easier to God's warriors than standing still. There are hours of perplexity when the most willing spirit anxiously desires to serve the Lord. Then what shall it do? Vex itself by despair? Fly back in cowardice? Turn to the right hand in fear? Or rush forward in presumption? No. But simply wait. Wait in prayer, however. Call upon God and spread the case before Him. Tell Him your difficulty. And plead his promise of aid. But wait in faith. Express your unstaggering confidence in him. For unfaithful. Untrusting waiting is but an insult to the Lord. Believe that if he keep you tarrying even till midnight. Yet he will come at the right time. The vision shall come. And shall not tarry. Wait in quiet patience, not rebelling because you are under the affliction. But blessing your God for it. Never wish you could go back to the world again. But accept the case as it is. And put it as it stands, simply and with your whole heart. Without any self-will into the hand of your covenant God saying, Now Lord, not my will, but thine be done. I know not what to do. I am brought to extremities. But I wait until thou shalt cleave the floods or drive back my foes. I will wait. If thou wilt keep me many a day, for my heart is fixed upon thee alone, O God, and my spirit waited for thee in the full conviction that thou wilt yet be my joy and my salvation, my refuge and my strong tower. Quote. Why do we wait on the Lord? Because we can't win the battle on our own. We cannot go forward in our own strength. We have to wait. We dare not enter the battle on our own strength. We see that we're to be of good courage. We have to fasten ourselves to God. Not live in fear when things change so drastically. Many times things change so quick and it looks like everything's for the worse. We wait on the Lord because we need Him to strengthen our heart. That's what it says. Physical strength isn't mentioned. God doesn't need our physical strength. But He wants people with great spiritual strength. People of great faith. People who will not fear, but people who will stay walking by faith, believing to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then we're told once again at the end of the verse, wait, I say, the Lord. So back to the two questions I asked at the beginning of this sermon, just before I read Psalm 27. What happens when we're believing to see and plans change? And does the vision have to change? What do we do when plans change? We wait. <laughs> we wait. Does the vision have to change? Not necessarily. In our situation, As of now, I sense that nothing changes so far as the vision is concerned. Only God's timing has changed. Listen, we still serve the God of verses 1 through 6. He hasn't changed. What we need to do, and again, I'm I'm probably just talking to myself tonight. But what we need to do is exhibit, exemplify the humility of verses 7 through 14. There is still a thing desired. And if you'll remember from. The last sermon in this series. From Proverbs 13. Hope deferred make the heart sick. But when the desire cometh. It's a tree of life. And the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. My desire. Is still to see the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living. And. I mean that in the sense of, I still believe that in the original sense of when we first started talking about it. I don't want to change the vision. Here's what I'm learning in life, is when God casts a vision, your faith will be put to the test. He's going to test your faith before it comes to pass. God is still the God of victory. We need to keep walking in His ways and in His path. And what I'm calling on us to do is to remember the past victories. All those times that God came through in the past so that we can draw from that and remember we still serve a God who does exceeding abundant above all we ask or think. We need to keep seeking His face and cry out to Him like never before. And I guess what I'm saying tonight is I don't want to get this defeatist attitude that says, well, we tried and you know it is what it is. And that's not what I want to do. I still believe God wants to do great things through this church. And He is. Understand my heart. I know He is. God is still in the soul saving business. And God is still interested in a church upon this earth that will seek to bring honor and glory to Him. Let's be that church. Say, what do we got to do? We got to wait. Be of good courage. Believe to see the goodness of the Lord. God hasn't changed. God is still the same today as He was back in January. And He's going to be the same until we see Him in glory. And even then He'll be the same. We need to stay the course. Yeah, there's been setbacks. But let's not faint in the process. Let's wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Wait for Him to strengthen us. Church, I want us to just keep believing to see. I hope you haven't lost faith in the vision, is I guess what I'm saying. I want you to continue to believe to see. And if it's the Lord's will, it'll come to pass. Say, what if it's not the Lord's will? We'll deal with it. We may not be guaranteed tomorrow. But let's keep believing that Tomorrow holds incredible blessings for this body of believers as we seek to honor Christ. Have you learned in your life that the victories are more appreciated after it's been a hard-fought battle? In most cases, and you'll find this throughout the Bible, in most cases where there's been great blessings, it took some serious warfare to get to that point. It takes a major struggle sometimes. But right afterwards, those who will stay the course, those will still be the ones around here that are going to enjoy those great blessings from God. But you have to dig in your heels and say, I'm all in, preacher. I'm believing to see. I hate waiting. But I also hate fainting more. And I don't want to faint. We just need to keep on believing to see. So church, if you've kind of been... Looking around going, what in the world are we doing? We're just going to keep trusting God. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I'd like to think that things will, quote unquote, return to normal. But who knows? Here's one thing I do know. The church is not this building. And no matter how our assembling may get interrupted, it doesn't affect how the church has to operate. We still function as a church. And I don't know what God's posturing us for, but we better start thinking outside the box. Outside the four walls of this building. And so, I just want to encourage you tonight, believe to see. Don't give up on the vision. I still believe that's what God has for us. And I'm believing that, and I was talking to Sister Wells, Pam Wells, that is, Grandma Wells, amen. Amen. We were talking before the service and, and just the thought that God's going to do something great through all of this. And it's hard to see right now. But let's believe to see it. Amen. Let's pray.